Happy New Year and welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Ho and Adelkun. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 43. The case that we are looking at today is to do with the cost system. And that can get a little complicated with all of the numbers involved. So we will take it slow and just try to do the best we can. Fortunately, the origins of the case are rather simple. In 2012, Adelkun was injured during a road traffic accident with Ho. A few years later, Ho offered to pay Adelkun £30,000 to settle the claim, as well as Adelkun's legal costs up to that point. Adelkun agreed to this, but there was nevertheless a dispute over the extent of the pre-settlement costs that were owed by Ho. The Court of Appeal held that Ho was only liable for £16,700 of the legal costs up to the point of the settlement, and so that court then made its own costs order for that dispute, with the conclusion that Adelkun should pay Ho's legal costs of £48,600. The problem was that because the original £30,000 was paid as a settlement, rather than being court-ordered, there were no orders for damages and interest under Part 44 of the Civil Procedure Rules. This is important because Part 44 deals with something called Qualified One-Way Shifting, which basically limits the amount of legal costs payable by a claimant to a defendant where a claimant loses on all or part of their claim. Part 44 does allow defendants to recover costs in certain circumstances and up to certain limits, but the limit is based on the court order for damages and interest. Thus, we return to the problem of this case for Ho. There was no court order for damages and interest, so the limit is zero. That was all agreed between the parties, but Ho wanted to know if she could at least avoid paying the £16,700 in pre-settlement costs because this should be cancelled out by the £48,600 that Adelkan owed her under the Court of Appeal costs order. The Court of Appeal said that would be fine, but Adelkan appealed to the Supreme Court, and so that is where we pick things up. The actual rule that is being debated here is 14.141 of the Civil Procedure Rules, which states, quote, Orders for costs made against a claimant may be enforced without the permission of the court, but only to the extent that the aggregate amount of money in terms of such orders does not exceed the aggregate amount in money terms of any orders for damages and interest made in favour of the claimant. End quote. Ho argued that all opposing cost orders should be netted off against one another, and so even though the aggregate amount in favour of the claimant referred to in the rule is technically zero, the £16,700 she owed as part of the pre-settlement costs could still be offset against the amount that was owed to her as part of the Court of Appeal Costs Award. The justices rejected this argument because the offset applies in respect of the costs orders rather than the overall net amount. This is a little confusing, but ultimately it means that Adelkan was successful in her appeal, and not only does Ho have to pay the settlement of £30,000, as well as the pre-settlement costs of £16,700, but she cannot enforce the Court of Appeal costs order against Adelkan at all. I think that although this is a correct interpretation of the rules, it is clearly more than a bit unfair. 
Interestingly, the justices appeared to feel the same way, but their hands were tied. Paragraph 44 of the judgment is worth quoting in full. Quote, We recognise that this conclusion may lead to results that at first blush look counterintuitive and unfair. Why should a defendant which has a substantial costs order in his favour have to pay out costs to a claimant under an order made against him when the two costs orders would net off against each other, leaving both sides to meet their own solicitor's costs themselves? Whether or not the intervener in this appeal is right that such a result accords with the policy underlying QOCS, we hold that it is the result that follows from the true construction of the wording used in Part 44. Any apparent unfairness in an individual case, such as this dispute between Ms Ho and Ms Adelkun, is part and parcel of the overall QOCS scheme devised to protect claimants against liability for costs and to lift from defendants' insurers the burden of paying success fees and after-the-event premiums in the many cases in which a claimant succeeds in her claim without incurring any cost liability towards the defendant. End quote. Essentially, the ruling therefore goes further towards putting defendants on the back foot and reduces the effectiveness of an offer under Part 36 of the rules, because it no longer truly comes with the threat of a claimant having to pay the defendant's costs. This imbalance between claimants and defendants is a bad thing because, anecdotally, it is already the case that a lot of dubious claims are getting too far into the litigation process, before ultimately being abandoned with no significant consequences for the claimants. This decision will only further this trend if more Part 36 offers get rejected. The only hope is that it will also act as a wake-up call to the Civil Procedure Rules Committee so that they can make amendments to restore a fair balance between claimants and defendants. Well, thank you very much for tuning in, and thanks as ever to bensound.com for providing the theme music. Before we go, a quick programming note from me. I've been doing this podcast for a little while now, so many of you will already know this, but we don't tend to start getting 2022 Supreme Court cases until late January, so for the time being we will be continuing with 2021 judgments. Of course, there are generally more than 52 judgments in a year, so we will do our best to get through 2021, but there are likely to be a few omissions. Over the next few weeks, I will just carry on with the old 2021 stuff as usual, but if there are specific 2021 judgments that you would like me to cover, then please drop me an email via contact at uklawweekly.com. That's contact at uklawweekly.com and I will do my best to get to them. For example, it's likely that I will try and cover the Tim Crossland case because it raises interesting questions about the status of the Supreme Court. Anyway, Happy New Year, and I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!